morning, church. Wow, what a powerful time of worship. Will you say thank you again to my friend Brad leading us in worship today? I love our church. Now look around. We've gathered today, usually from about 70 nations. We come from all walks of life. We're broken people, but together we're creating God's mosaic in Jesus Christ. And throughout the week, you've been meeting needs and healing hurts, and you've been speaking His Word every day. I'm so thankful for you. Today we've got some friends joining us online. We have two other campuses worshiping. Pastor Caleb's preaching right now at our Six Mile campus. Pastor Lucas was supposed to be preaching, but he woke up a little ill this morning, so they're getting me. Would you welcome all of those who are joining us today? Now do me one more favor. Take your copy of God's Word, whether you take it out or turn it on, and go to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, we're going to be continuing in our study called the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest message ever preached by the greatest preacher ever, Jesus Christ. And then if you could find something to write on and something to write with, a pen, pencil, lipstick, Crayola, mascara, something, because here's the deal. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, this is what scripture teaches, the Holy Spirit of God is living in you. You are the temple of God. That means you don't even have to have me, but that God can speak directly to you. And here's what I really believe. When you open the scripture, which is inspired by God, the Holy Spirit of God begins to speak into your life. And when God talks, I want to make sure I'm taking notes. I'm listening to what he says. So you get ready because I think he has a message for all of us today. It's Super Bowl Sunday. And so... A little later this evening, there's going to be two teams that gather. You've got the Kansas City Chiefs and the 49ers. I've never gotten so many dirty looks as I was walking into church with this shirt on today. You got to pull for somebody, right? You could call this the tale of two quarterbacks. You could call it that sports game where Taylor Swift's boyfriend is on the field, but... but <laughs> We're going to stick with the tell of two quarterbacks. So you've got Patrick Mahomes, right? This great quarterback that is, I mean, he's already a legend as a young man. And then you got Brock Purdy, this level-headed guy. He was known as Mr. Irrelevant because he was the last one chosen in the draft. Last year, the 49ers almost made it to the Super Bowl, but they fell apart because they lost Brock Brock Purdy, he, he got ill. Mahomes and the Chief have been in four of the last five Super Bowls. And yet, <laughs> y'all got to know, that's Miss Shirley. She's the biggest <laughs> Chiefs fan. Would y'all give a shout out to Miss Shirley? <laughs> and yet, the Chiefs are underdogs going into this game. Well, I was thinking about these two quarterbacks. I was preparing for this message I read these audacious words of Jesus. Are you familiar with them? Matthew 7, verse 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you for everyone. Say everyone. Everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. And I was thinking about these words of Jesus, and I was thinking about these two quarterbacks. You know, tonight, here's going to be the question. Will one of these guys finish the job? I mean, they're both 
going into the game with a lot of expectation. But when the, when the clock gets to zero, only one of them is going to got the job done. Only one of them will have finished the job. And so I go back to these verses and I think, Lord, do you finish the job? Because the reality is, I, I really believe the Bible. I believe this is God's Word. I believe what it says is true. But I look around, I look outside of my windshield, and I see a world of problem and hurt. And I wonder, how do I reconcile the truth of Scripture with what seems like unanswered prayer and continued disappointment in my life? Does Jesus really mean this? Can he really do it? Will he accomplish what he's promised? Will he finish the job? And the answer today is yes, 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 yes. If there's one big truth I want you to hold on to today, it's this. As we develop persistence in prayer, God always answers and demonstrates that his grace is always enough in Jesus Christ. Did you hear that? As we develop persistence in prayer, God always, say always. always. He always answers and he demonstrates that his grace is always enough in the person of Jesus Christ. Now I know this because the Bible says it in a lot of different ways. I love what Paul said in Philippians chapter 1 verse 6. Here it is. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to a completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Let me break that down for you. The Bible teaches that if you have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, he's not going to treat your heart like a cheap hotel where he checks in and out. He's not here today and gone tomorrow. He didn't start something and leave it unfinished. But the God who began his work in you will be faithful. And you may walk away from him. I was reading this morning in the book of Mark about Peter. <laughs> Peter, man, Jesus took him to the garden to pray with him. Peter fell asleep. Jesus told him, you're going to deny me. Peter said, not on your life. All it took was a little girl, and Peter denied him. And this morning I read in Mark that as, as Peter was following along, as Jesus was heading to be tried, Peter followed at a guilty distance. And maybe you're following today at a guilty distance. But I want to tell you, he's not finished with you. He will finish the work that he started at you. So look again at these words of Jesus. He's coming to the end of this great message. It's a message of importance. And he brings us back to prayer. Now in chapter 6, he had talked about prayer. He had told us to pray without hypocrisy. He had told us to pray without pride. And then he gave us a model prayer. He even taught us how to pray. But prayer was so important in the life of Jesus Christ that here, at the end of this great sermon, he circles back around and says, don't forget to pray like it matters. Listen to the words of Jesus. Matthew 7, beginning in verse 7. So for the third time, we read these words. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find Knock, and the door will be open to you for everyone. Say everyone. Everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you, 
then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Now, I want to pray once more. And I'm going to conclude my prayer with that model prayer that Jesus taught us. So if you know that, I'm going to invite you to join me when we get to that part, okay? Let's pray. So Father, in the name of Jesus, it's so good to be with you, to worship and to read your word. Jesus, as hard as it is for us to wrap our mind around the truth, you spoke these words with your human lips when you walked on this earth and we believe you. But Lord, we're still lacking. So give us what we need that we don't have. Teach us new things today so that we might walk in strong faith with you. Make us different. Lord, I pray for my life that in these few minutes together, you would capture my thoughts, that you would take hold of my words and that they would be pleasing to you, that you would free us from the distractions of this world and of our enemy, and that this time would allow us to hear the voice of God. Lord, for somebody, that this would be a moment that changes forever, that they would begin a relationship with you because we met here today. But for all of us, Lord, we need to grow in our attitude and our understanding of prayer. So Jesus, continue to teach us to pray, even as you taught your disciples when you prayed, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen, amen, and amen. This is not the only time Jesus says something like this in Scripture. In fact, Dr. Luke, in the Gospel of Luke, records a parallel passage to Matthew 7. It's found in Luke 11. In Luke 11, the disciples came to Jesus and, and they said, Master, will you teach us to pray? And what do you think Jesus said? Yes. yes, of course. And it's just a reminder. When you ask God to do something that he wants you to do, he's always going to do it. Master, teach us to pray. And so after that, we have Dr. Luke's account of the model prayer, that prayer we just prayed. And then after that, Dr. Luke gives an example. It's similar to the example we read in Matthew. Listen to what he says. Then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and he goes to him at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one in, a, inside answers, don't bother me. Can you relate to that? Do I, need, do I need to translate this for you? It's the middle of the night. The friend is knocking at the door. Hey, buddy, uh, somebody dropped by my house. I, I don't have any bread. You got any bread? Open up. No. 
I'm in bed, he says. The door's locked. My children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. Huh? I tell you, though he'll not get up and give the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. How do we know the man was bold? Because he kept on knocking. Jesus has a sense of humor. He's saying, hey, the guy's not going to get up. I don't care how long he's been your friend. The thing that's going to make him get up is he wants you to shut up. He wants you to stop knocking. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. I want you to understand three truths from this passage. Number one, Jesus wants you to participate in prayer. You can't read either of these accounts of Jesus and not understand that Jesus wants you to pray. God wants you to pray. Go back to the beginning. God created everything that was. He spoke the world into existence, but something was lacking. So he took from the dust, he formed that first man, Grandpa Adam, and he breathed into his life, life. Why? Because the creator of the universe wanted a creation that he could talk to. He liked the dogs and the cats and the elephants and giraffes. But the human was different. You see, the human was the only one created in the image of God, able to communicate with the Almighty. Don't miss this. From the beginning of time, you were created for intimacy with the Almighty. And the pathway to intimacy is not just checking a box and coming to church on occasion. The pathway to intimacy is regular communication with God through prayer. Through prayer and the Word of God, you have access, every child of God, to the holiness of God. So hear this one more time, what Jesus said. Matthew 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you for everyone. Say it again, everyone. Everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Don't miss this. It's universal in scope. It doesn't say if you've had a good day. It doesn't say if you've been a good boy or girl. It said everyone. But it's not just universal in scope. It's also unlimited in content. He doesn't give us any boundaries. There are some things implied. We're going to discover that as we look at other scriptures. But he says just ask. Just seek. Just knock. And so let's go back to the quandary. Could this be true? And you really need to wrestle with that. Because if you don't look at the word of God is truth. And man, I would just tell you, you're wasting your time even hanging out here. But can this be true? Did Jesus say anything like this anywhere else? Look at John 14, verse 13. And I will do whatever. Say whatever. whatever. Pretty broad. Whatever you ask in my name. So that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask anything, say anything, 
You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Now, I say this a lot to those of you that hang out here a lot. I've been around church all my life. Sometimes that creates a deficit for me, even in my ability to relate to some of you. I understand that. But let me just tell you my experience with hanging out with those who profess to follow Jesus. Most of us don't live like we believe the words of Jesus. We don't live like we can cry out to him in prayer and he will answer. So I want to ask you today, are you asking? Are you seeking? Are you knocking? I love what Mark Batterson, he wrote a book called The Circle Maker. Listen to what Pastor Mark said about this. He says, bold prayers honor God, and God honors bold prayers. God isn't offended by your biggest dreams or boldest prayers. He is offended by anything less. If your prayers are not impossible to you, they may be insulting to God. What are you asking for? What are you seeking to find? What are you hoping is opened to you? Now, what's the point? Jesus wants us to participate with him. He wants us to come to him in prayer. What do you do when you hear this at your door? Well, good for you, because this is what I usually do. I mean, I'm, I'm hiding. I'm tur- sorry, I'm turning off the lights. I'm going behind the wall. I'm peeking. Seeing if they can see me through the kind of glass on my door. I don't want solar panels on my roof. I don't need new windows. And no, I cannot afford for you to cut down my limbs. So I hide. But Jesus is saying, I'm always available. When you ask, when you seek, when you knock, I will be there. That's indisputable. That's a part of this process. So what are you asking for? What are you seeking? Where are you knocking? Let me ask that in another way. Just go with me here. If all your prayers were answered today, how would things be different in your little corner of the world? Because if all that would be different is that you have a little more resource in your wallet or in your bank account, you're not praying about the right things. So let me push a little harder. If all your prayers were answered today, how would eternity be impacted? How would forever be different? Would that one person that you've been praying for, would they they truly begin a relationship with Christ? With that marriage that you've been crying out to God for, would it be restored? How would things that really make a difference be different? See, I, I want you to understand, God wants you to have the desires of your heart. I, I can't read Scripture and not believe that. It says in Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and He'll give you what? The desires of your heart. But oh, that first part, that's where we trip up. Delight yourself in the Lord. You see, that's the same thing Jesus was saying when he said, anything you ask in my 
name. Or later he would say, anything you ask according to my will. See, God wants to give you the desires of your heart, but, but he first wants to get you in alignment. My wife took her car in just to get the regular maintenance this week, and you know what she was told? We, we need to do an alignment. Because when your tires are out of line, they're just going to wear out quicker. And, and that's true for you. When you're not aligned correctly, man, you wear down, you get burned out spiritually. And, and I believe what Jesus is saying, hey, I want to give you those desires when your desires align with my desires, when your will aligns with my will. So are you participating with Jesus in prayer? Pray like it matters. Because it does. Oh, there's a second truth, though. Jesus wants us to be persistent in prayer. I hope you picked up on that, right? We talked about the guy that just wouldn't leave the door. I don't talk about the Greek language or the Hebrew language that much because I don't want you to be confused. I studied Greek and Hebrew, and I can hardly remember any of it because that was a lot of years ago. I can't remember what I had for breakfast yesterday. You don't have to know that to take your copy of God's Word and understand it. But sometimes it's a little helpful. Like this time. Those words, ask, seek, and knock, in the Greek language, they're in a particular form. They're in the present imperative. Now, why is that important? Imperative means it's a command. So Jesus is commanding us, this is not an option. This is something you're supposed to do. What does it mean that it's present? Well, that means that it's, it's something that's happening now, but it's supposed to continue. So really, the best way to translate this would be ask, ask, and keep on asking. Seek, seek, and keep on seeking. Knock, knock, and keep on knocking. Be persistent when you're coming to the Lord in prayer. You know what I've discovered after a lifetime of trying to pray and trying to be faithful when I don't see prayers answered the way I would hope, I sometimes give up. I don't pray like I, I should. I maybe think something's wrong with me. You know, there's another time Jesus speaks about this. A few months ago, I went to Pastor Zach, and we talked about this story I'm about to read to you. And I said, oh, Zach, I, I believe God wants to make me be more like the persistent widow. Let me tell you her story. Luke 18, it says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable. So he's telling them a story to show them that he, they should always pray and not give up. So he said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. I love the stories of Jesus. I mean, that's kind of funny. I mean, that's like saying there was a guy he didn't like you or your mama. I mean, he, there, there wasn't much good about him. And, and there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. So widows, the lowest caste in society, I mean, they were not looked at in value. And here she's going to someone who has the ability to make a difference in her life and says, help me. And for some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God, or I don't care about you, men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I'll see that she gets justice. And she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And what did Jesus say? Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he'll see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, 
He will find faith. Will he find faith on the earth? Jesus is saying, you, you got to be persistent. You can't quit. You don't see the answer. You keep praying. By the way, God answers differently at different times, doesn't he? Sometimes he says no. Aren't you thankful that sometimes God says no to things you've prayed for? Anybody been to a high school reunion and you're like, thank you, Lord, that you didn't answer my prayer way back then. I'm so glad I'm not with them. And the joy of unanswered prayers. Sometimes God says no. Sometimes he says, whoa! And you check into one of those hardest places in life. The waiting room. You ever been in the waiting room while a loved one is having a surgery? It's tough. Sometimes God says, whoa. Sometimes he says, go, and, and you get that yes, and you're like, wow, all right. Now I'm excited in my faith because he said yes. I mean, we're like kids, right? Because parents do the same thing. Children keep asking, and, and sometimes we say, that is not good for you. No, you cannot stick your head in the fireplace when there's a fire going. No, no. Sometimes we say, just hold on. It's, we're going to go to McDonald's, but it's going to be a little later. Don't send me an email about we shouldn't take our children to McDonald's. <laughs> Sometimes he says, parent will say, yeah, you get it. You get this treat. What is the Lord saying to us? He's reminding us that he loves us. Way more than your best friend might when you show up in the middle of the night. Way more than an unjust judge might. God loves you. God cares about you. God knows your needs. God wants to meet your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. So I want you to just think, what is it that maybe you checked out on that you need to resume being persistent in prayer? And in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to, to make a commitment to say, I'm God, I, I'm going to re-up my commitment to persistence in prayer. You don't have to always know a deep way to pray. Sometimes you just, I, I've had times, even over the last couple of months, where I've just cried out, God, we just need a breakthrough in this area. We just need a breakthrough in this area. And sometimes I add to that, and sometimes I just keep saying to God, we need you to break through. And by God's grace, I've seen him do that. God honors persistent prayers among his people. Be persistent in prayer. Pray like it matters. Because it does. But there's a third thing. Jesus wants us to have the right perspective on prayer. What's, what's the right perspective? Well, like always in our faith journey, we, we want to see things the way he is seeing things. We want to see that God loves us. I want you to know something. You have a good, good father. Amen. And that, listen, that may be a trigger for some of you. Because for some of you, 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 you didn't have a good, good earthly father. Some of you may have had a bad or even a wicked father. I'm blessed. I, I did have a good father. But no matter how wicked your father on this side of heaven may have been or how great he may have been, that's nothing in comparison to your good, good father. 
The Bible says he is good and he does good. And the Bible says of you that anything good that you have came from him. He is a good, good father. So Jesus, so Jesus then says, if you've got that kind of father, could you possibly imagine that a child would come to the good, good father and, and say, I need some bread. And the father says, nope, you get a, you get a rock today. It doesn't make sense. Or, or could you imagine that a child would go to that good, good father and say, oh, I'm hungry. Can I have some fish? No, but I've got a nice rattlesnake for you. No, God's not going to do that. He, he then goes on to say, listen, this is big. He goes on to say, why then would God not give you good gifts? I, I want you to understand, and we're going to explain this thoroughly in the next few minutes. That doesn't mean that you just get whatever you want. But it does mean, without any doubt, that our good God gives good gifts to his children. You have to see things from his perspective. You can trust him. Remember, he'll finish the work. I guess you need to ask, are you asking for good things? I mean, really. I mean, we're great at the 911 prayers. You know, you know what the 911 prayers are? I mean, you find yourself in trouble and everybody prays when you're in trouble. But are you asking for the good things? The best things? Well, all right. Yeah, Jesus wants us to participate. Jesus wants us to be persistent. Jesus wants us to see things from his perspective. But here's the problem. We live in this old broken down world. And so some of you, you're struggling with chronic physical problems. Some of you were born with them. Some of you developed them. And, and some of you now have a disease that it just seems out of control. I'm going to ask you over the next couple of minutes just to be a little vulnerable with me. How many of you would say, yeah, there's something physical in my life or somebody close to me that I'm taking to the Lord? I'm in that category. Anybody else? Yeah, so, so this is just kind of a part of our journey. And so we can say, I, I love Jesus, and I try to make right choices, and I'm praying about this, but I've not seen healing. Or, or maybe this one. You have relational challenges. Maybe a marriage. It just somewhere went awry and now is distant. Maybe a friendship that a wedge has gotten into. Maybe a work or school relationship, but anybody have relational challenges? I'm raising my hand on that one again. Anybody else got relational challenges? Yeah. And, and so sometimes we may be thinking, God, I love you. I believe. But you didn't just fix this. <laughs> what, what's going on? I mean, fix it. Sometimes there's provisional needs. I mean, we're, we're the most blessed nation on the planet. I mean, we're blessed most, more than most of the world, but yet probably if I were to take a poll, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand on this one. Most of us say, well, we could use a little more. And you, some of you, you're, you're faithful to the Lord, and I'm so grateful. So, some of you are very faithful to the Lord's church here, and yet you struggle because you think, man, I'm, I'm trying to be sacrificial. I'm trying to honor God with obedience, and man, my wicked brother-in-law over here 
He doesn't love Jesus. He doesn't give to the church. And he's got everything he wants. And you struggle. And you're wondering, does God answer my prayer? Or maybe it's even spiritual. And you say, Jesus, I, I believe. Help my unbelief. I, I can't get over this hump. I just consistently am struggling to trust you. How do we reconcile these things? I told you before that the best commentary on Scripture is Scripture. The best illustration of the Bible is the Bible. So I would just ask you, is there any evidence of anybody that was godly asking for something that they wanted that they didn't get? Well, I heard it. Here, this is a good one. Yeah, Jesus. I read it this morning in, in my time in God's Word. And Jesus goes into the garden. His disciples, the stinking guys, they fall asleep. And, and Jesus prays, Father, if it be your will, I would just as soon not do this. But not my will, but your will be done. But we're not Jesus, right? So let's, let's look to 100% human. Any example of a 100% human person crying out to God for something and seeming like God didn't answer the way they wanted. Yeah, the Apostle Paul. There's this amazing account in Scripture. Let me read it to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning of verse 7. To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelation, there was given to me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Now, let me just stop right there and saying, according to what happened to Paul, which matches the other place I was in the Bible this morning, in the book of Job, your enemy is alive and well, the devil, and he may go to God the Father and say, hey, I don't like that joker over there. Is it possible that I can disrupt their lives a little bit? And in Job's case, God says, sure, go get him, just don't kill him. Apparently, something similar happened with Paul. And so you could be facing things in your life that are spiritual at the core. You may be facing physical health battles that at the core are a spiritual battle that comes from the enemy. So what does he say? So he goes on and says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness and insults and hardships and persecution and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Wow, what's Paul saying here? Well, first, you know, our our interests. Miss Judy, we just want to know, what was his thorn? Because we think, if I knew his thorn, maybe that would help me out. So what was it? We don't know. We have some thoughts. Some theologians think it may have been a physical problem. He had eye problems, perhaps. Maybe an eye disease. He was going blind. In, in the scripture, sometimes he talks about someone else having to write for them. So we've already acknowledged some of us have physical things. We could relate to that. Uh, others have said, could be, maybe a relational thing. Paul came to Christ and it, it radically changed his life. 
could he have possibly been married? And, you know, this wife said, I'm not having anything to do with that. Or other friendships that just pushed away from him that, that he really was torn up about? Maybe, could be, possibly. You know, some theologians even think it could be a sin issue. Let me give you one more question. I'm, I'm going to be raising my hand, by the way. Anybody else just struggle with habitual sins? You feel like things keep coming back. You, you cry out to God and it's like, I'm sorry, Lord, it's Paul again. I blew it. I messed up. Same thing. Anybody else there? You got... So maybe it was that. Maybe he had this sin issue and he said, I cried out to God over and over and over again. He was persistent and said, Lord, take it away. And he said, nope. My grace is enough. See, Paul found a way to be content regardless of how he felt his prayers were being answered. So how could he get there? Well, I think it's because he believed what he wrote in Romans 8. In Romans chapter 8, Paul tells us that even when we don't know what to pray, because we're children of God, we can climb up into our Heavenly Father's lap and, and our Daddy, our Heavenly Father, not only hears us, he tells us that when we don't have the words, the Holy Spirit will cry out on our behalf and make our request known to the Father. And right after that, Paul then says, for we know that all things work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. You see, that's something you can know as a follower of Jesus. All things, say all things. All things are working together for your good and for God's glory when you are called by his name. You may be asking for healing and not getting it. You may be seeking relational re reconciliation and not getting it. You may be asking God to open the doors of provision and it doesn't seem like it's happening. You still feel broke. But when you pray, you always get two things. You always get more grace and you always get more of God. When you get into God's presence through prayer, you always get more of Him, and that's always enough. That's why I told you that one thing is what I want you to know. As we develop persistence in prayer, God always answers and demonstrates that His grace is always enough in Jesus Christ. So what do we need to do? Here's the application. Let's just pray like it matters. Right? Say pray like it matters. That's, man, this is so simple. That's what I'm going to ask you to commit to in just a moment. Just start today and then start this week and just say from this moment on, I'm going to pray like it makes a difference. I'm going to pray like it matters. You know, around the world where there's a lot more darkness where there aren't big church buildings that people can come to at any time and just worship the way we do so freely? Did you know that God is working in amazing ways and demonstrating His miraculous power? Did you know that people are still getting miraculously healed? Did you know that God is showing up and showing off in ways that would make us go, whoa, God still does that? Why not here? Why not through us? Why not give us those testimonies? So I want to challenge you. 
just with, with three action points. Number one, think about how you can participate more in prayer. Think about how you can participate more in prayer. And one way is just to engage in some prayer rhythms in your life. For some of you right now, all you're doing is your bedtime prayer and your mealtime prayer, if that. Just develop a more regular pattern and rhythm of prayer in your life. Right? Look for opportunities. Yesterday I went to Publix. That's always a dangerous task. Sometimes I go down every aisle. Hey, Pastor Paul. Hey, Pastor Paul. Yesterday I just even, I didn't even have a buggy. I just had a little basket because I, I ran in to get something that when I got home I figured out we already had. But anyway, there I was in Publix. And I saw my sweet friend May and another friend. And so we began to talk. And, and, and that friend said, hey, there's something you can do for me. I said, anything, what? She said, could you pray for my brother-in-law? She proceeded to tell me the brother-in-law's got maybe three different kinds of cancer he's dealing with, just having a real tough time. They're looking for opportunities just to praise the Lord. I said, what's his name? She said, John. I said, absolutely. And hey, would it be okay if we just pray right here? She said, absolutely. And so there we were in front of the cheese to the left of the muffins and sausage was on my right. I think cat litter was behind me. So we prayed. And can we just pray for John again right now? Would you just bow with me? So Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you because there is power in prayer and you tell us to ask and seek and knock. And so we're coming before you for John and we ask you for healing and we ask you for peace in the name of Jesus. But most of all, we ask that John and all of this family would know you and know the power of your presence in this moment. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you give God praise that he just answers prayer and cares about our prayer? So maybe you need to develop a corporate prayer rhythm, a corporate prayer rhythm. So that's why in this service, have you noticed we pray a lot? <laughs> we think when you come to church, you kind of expect us to talk to God and you think we might help you try to learn how to talk to God. So we pray a lot. So maybe you need to engage in that a little more than you do. Maybe you need to come to House of Prayer on Wednesday evenings and at 6.30 on Wednesday evenings and just spend time where we open God's Word and we just pray the Scriptures and we worship and pray and worship and, and pray and then pray and then pray. Maybe you need to do that. So I, I want you to think about that. What are those ways you can participate more in prayer? Oh, and by the way, just become a praying friend. Look for opportunities where you are just to pray with those that God surrounded you with. Number two, how can you be more persistent in prayer? All right, some of you have given up. Your, your challenge today is saying, I'm taking this back to the Lord in prayer. I'm going to keep praying for that prodigal. I'm going to keep praying for this marriage. I'm going to keep praying for these provisional needs. I'm going to keep praying for this health issue. I'm going to keep praying for this emotional and mental breakthrough. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to push. I'm going to pray until something happens. Pray until something happens. Pray until something happens. Say that with me. Pray until something happens. One more time. Pray until something happens. Number three. How do I make sure I have a healthy perspective in prayer? Some of you, it's like Zig Ziglar used to say, you need an attitude adjustment. You need a check up from the neck up. You just need to change the way you're looking at things. Some of you need to say, in prayer, I'm going to look at this God's way. 
be reminded of these words from 1 John 5, 14. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. That's confidence. As a child of God, you are supposed to walk in confidence. Confidently approach the throne of God. Deal? 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 It's simple. You say, I want to pray like it matters. I want to take this seriously in my life. I'm going to keep on asking. I'm going to keep on seeking. I'm going to keep on knocking. God's never going to fail at his promises. He's a God who is the provider. He's a God who is the healer. He's a God who tells us he never leaves us or forsakes us. He is the God of peace. He's not a God of confusion. Let's stand up together. Would you do that? Just a moment. I'm going to call you to respond. We always respond to the word of God. A lot of different ways. Before we leave, I'm going to challenge you to respond by giving. We always respond musically. We're going to sing. But I'm going to ask you in a specific way in just a moment to respond. Because there are a lot of you who love Jesus, you're followers of Christ, but you've given up on the power of prayer. And sometimes we need to do something. It's like driving a spiritual stake in the ground. We're saying, I mean it, Lord. I, I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get out of my comfort zone to demonstrate I mean it. So when I say amen in a second, I'm going to invite some of you just to maybe come and kneel and, and make the front of this stage, kind of the front of this room, like a, like a prayer altar. And by your kneeling, you're kind of saying, I don't necessarily need to pray with anybody. I just want to, I want to say to the Lord, I am going to be participating persistently in prayer. And I'm going to ask you to do that. Others of you may need to pray with someone. Our pastors are going to be standing here. If you're a lady and would love to pray with a lady, we'll find one of our godly ladies just to pray with you if you'd rather that. Somebody's here. And I know you're here because I, I beg God to bring you. And he's the one who does this. This is in line with his will. You're here, but you don't really know Jesus. That doesn't mean you're a bad person. You may be. I just don't know. But it means you, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You may be religious. You may have gone through a lot of rituals, but you don't know my Jesus. Because you've never surrendered your life to his control. The Bible says that all of us, regardless where we were born or how we are born, we're born separated from God because of sin in our life. And sin's not just something we've done, it's who we are. And the Bible says that that sin, if it's left undealt with, will cause us to be separated from God forever. And God does not want that for anyone in his creation. And so that's why the Bible says God demonstrated his love and that while we were still sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. And you know, you... You may go through a lot of good activities and good motions. You may have all the head knowledge. But scripture says, until you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And listen to this. Then you make this 18-inch journey from your head to your heart. And you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Until you take that step, you won't be saved. But when you do, this is what the Bible says. Everybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
want you to bow your head. If you've never cried out to Jesus and asked him to save you, would you do that right now? You don't need my prayer today. Maybe you'd just say, I don't know, Jesus, I need you. Save me, I believe. Maybe you'd say, Jesus, I resign. I've been the boss. It's not working. You're the boss. Maybe you would say, Jesus, come in and take control. From now on, I'm following you. Somehow, just cry out to to God to save you. Now, in just a moment, when I say amen, if you just cried out to God to save you, I want you to come tell one of us. Our pastors are standing here. I want you to come say, I just cried out to God. They'll talk to you, coach you through, team you up, whatever we need to do. While you're doing that, there are going to be people leaving their seat, just coming and driving a stake in the ground, saying, Jesus, I'm going to be a persistent prayer, just like you said. So, Father, I pray. Good, good Father, I pray that we would respond now in light of the perspective we have of who you are what you desire. Holy Spirit, would you grant freedom in these moments? Lord, whether it's that person that's coming to say, I just called out to God to be saved, or whether it's that person that says, I need to be more persistent in my prayer. God, would you give freedom to get out of a seat, into an aisle, and down to the front of this room? And Lord, for even those watching online, God, would you use this as a holy moment? Because we're asking. We're seeking. We're knocking. For your will, for your glory, for your kingdom, in the name of Jesus, amen and amen. You come, as God leads, you step out, you come. Ask him.